want to win more clients and keep them longer in 2024? Who am I kidding? Of course you do. The trick is how, right? Well, offering a free benchmark consultation as part of your sales process might just be the key to doing both this year for your agency. In today's conversation with Chris Nault, founder and CEO of Growth, he breaks down the process and results from his agency's five-week experiment of adding a benchmark consultation into their sales and renewal processes. In this episode, you're going to hear from Chris when and how to invite clients into a Databox benchmark group, how it can impact your close rates for both new and renewal business the role benchmark data can play in ongoing client management, and how to leverage benchmark data to build a tight-knit community for your clients and prospects. That was one on the list I did not see coming. Before we get into all of that, let's hear from Chris how he defines a benchmark consultation and how growth has started to incorporate this tactic into their sales process over the past five weeks. So the what the benchmark consultation consists of is first you need to have a benchmark group and Databox as a software is really powerful and they've built this kind of addition to the software that allows you as an agency or consultancy to define a few variables that you control or at least play in. And you can choose multiple or individual softwares that you play in. For example, we deal with a lot of B2B professional services and a lot of manufacturing companies. We do a lot of HubSpot, a lot of that work inside of HubSpot. So we can control levers around how long does it take to close a deal? How many new contacts are being added to your CRM each month? How many emails are you sending? What's the average time on a sales call? When you connect your HubSpot account to our benchmark group, the information pre-populates not only on what the average is for the 280 companies that have joined, but where you lie on that average. And so while it's not a perfect glimpse of how you are doing, it at least lets you know how you're benchmarking compared to general competitors anonymously too, which I think is really nice. So you as a company can control that. Let's say you specialize in marketing. Emails may be important. Open rate may be important. Great. Customize your benchmark that way. Maybe you're in sales specific. And so my sales examples may feel a little bit more genuine. Having that set up gives you a foundation for when you're speaking to a potential customer to identify, you know, the metrics behind their problems. And therefore, you are likely able to help solve their problems. Oh, that's really good. I want to dig into how this approach actually helps you solve problems and how it can impact your sales process, things like your close rate, your sales velocity within the agency. But let me just make sure we're on the same page here, Chris, because, you know, being in agency sales for a few years myself, one of the questions we would often get is, you know, what's typical of a new client? When do they see success? What are other companies like us doing and how are they doing? Right. And so, the idea of a benchmark group and turning that into a consultation in your sales process is essentially taking a, a tool like Databox and saying, hey, here are kind of the KPIs that we are typically tracking and monitoring and responsible for, for our clients. Let's put our clients' information into this group so that we can anonymize and aggregate the data. And instead of having to tell our customers, just trust us or bring them publicly available data, which, you know, is kind of 
not as good, not as honed in on their niche and those sorts of things or the work that your agency is doing, it allows you to bring in a new layer of data to those sales conversations. Am I summing it up right? What am I missing? I think you summed it up really well. And I can speak from my own experience when we were far more marketing agency that when that question happened, rightfully so, it was almost, you could like feel the nails on a chalkboard. You're like, there's no real good answer for this. The benchmark group eliminates. And the fact that it's real time also eliminates the traditional methodology where let's say you were large enough where you could do a data study on all your customers and you could supply this information. It takes months, lots of months. And so your information's not even valid by the time you share it. I think what Databox has done is change the way benchmarking works, can be applied. It's cool. And it's free. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And <laughs> it's free. Yeah, the nice thing. And we will link to the benchmark groups from Databox in the description of this episode. We had Pete and Carl Sakis on just about a month ago. Great episode on how and how not agencies are investing in their own marketing. And we mentioned it there as well. Today, we're going to go deeper into how to use those groups in your sales process. Chris, you and your team are five weeks into this new experiment. And Pete's post that we mentioned earlier listed five reasons why you might want to take this approach and add it to your sales process. I'm curious for you, which of those five kind of highlighted the problem that you were trying to solve? Or was there a different one that stood out to you of why you wanted to incorporate a benchmark consultation into your agency's sales process? I can't remember his exact five, but I've been paying close attention to what Peter talks about. And obviously, one of the fun things him and I have joked about is I'm an example of how when you're building a community or you're working in this sort of consultative role, sometimes the close cycle isn't faster. It took me nine months to become a participant, but now I am fully indoctrinated in the value of this. Biggest thing for us is the trust lever of the sales process immediately being pulled. It allows us to be even more authentic in how we're approaching the consultative conversation. Not we can help you with your sales process. Boom, you're connected to our benchmark group and here's six variables. Okay, you guys have uh, great output. You're sending plenty of emails, you're adding new contacts, but your uh, contact to new deal creation is incredibly low. Typically that's messaging. Uh, maybe you're not speaking to the right person. Maybe you're sending one email, but you're not sending several emails. Maybe you're not offering value. We can dive deeper, but we know problem number one we have to solve together is this. And so I think you're able to have out the gate 10 different variables. And again, you get control over what those variables are and the software that it attached to. So Salesforce is a great component too. Yeah, and obviously a lot of us are HubSpot partners. So being able to access that HubSpot information is really powerful. Yeah, I think Pete mentioned something in his post. I've got it pulled up over here on another screen about it allows you to get an objective measure on both what are your clients' current problems, because sometimes they don't know their numbers. And if you're doing a good job in a consultative sales process for your agency, you're asking good questions, you're asking for data. But one, your prospects might not have that. Two, they might not know it offhand. And three, they might fudge a little bit because they don't want to necessarily tell you how bad the problem is. And so one, it allows you to be more objective and less subjective in the information that you're getting out of your client. 
And it also kind of tying back to what you mentioned earlier allows you to be more objective when they say, well, here's where we are today. Can we 2X that? Can we 5X that? What's reasonable? Instead of you having to uh, just say, take my word on it, you can say, well, other clients of your size and in the same industry, they're seeing this. You're this far below the average. We think we can get you to here by X and you can feel more confident in it and the client's actually going to trust you as well, right? Having something tangible to work against is an absolute game changer. There's so much intangibility without that information. And so it gives you a real data set to work off of, not only once they've signed a contract with you, but to like work on in real time. So they can see the changes happening weekly, monthly, quarterly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's one thing that a lot of agencies are, are facing right now. You know, as we released our state of agency operations report here at teamwork.com last year, one of the common trends we saw is that client demands are getting harder to meet and over-servicing is becoming a big problem. And that's especially true if the client can't see the progress that you're making for them and feel good about that progress. Being able to say, hey, here's where you were when we started objectively and tangibly, as you said, here's where we took you and you're outperforming this so that they can take that back to their boss. I bet that client's going to be a little bit easier to manage and not have to, you know, be over-serviced as much because they're feeling like they're not quite getting the value. So I think there's impacts both in the sales process and further on in client satisfaction and churn and those sorts of things. Before we get into some of the ways that you guys implemented this, what advice you would have for others to get started, Chris, Tell me a little bit about what it looks like today. How has your sales process changed before having a benchmark consultation and now implementing it for a few weeks? We're not talking about five years of data, but we have five weeks. You've got a little bit of time under your belt. What does that look like today? When do you introduce it? How do you talk about it with clients? Those sorts of things. Kind of walk us through that process and what it looks like for folks. Happy to. I will say, Will Davis, it has been running our sales for three and a half years. It's lovely. But teaching, not old, but uh, not young, dog, new tricks is difficult. So it is a constant reminder so far. We're at the end of the year and the start of the year, and we're a high dollar, low lead, high close rate company. So we don't have 500 companies we put this in front of. But when Will, who's traditionally been a really great face, first introduction to growth, his job on a connect call is really to run a band assessment and create that kind of human touch. Now he asked in the beginning, are you comfortable if we save a few minutes or add a few minutes? Since we already know you're on HubSpot, we can connect your account and then we can do this benchmark group overview because I bet there's something we can learn from this even if we don't work together. And it's been a real, it's a new trick for our man Will to learn. But it's a big part of how we operate is to add value and now Will can do it. Usually the value is Will's just a great guy. You get to know another great human. We'll bring in a subject matter expert. Now Will can actually add value and he's getting pretty pumped up that he can do that. So the pitch to the client in the sales process is if you're willing, we can connect you into this benchmark group so that we can take a look at some of these key indicators that we've been talking about that you want to improve, which is why you're talking to our agency and we can anonymize and aggregate the data and this will help us determine where you need to go from here and how we might help you. Plus, this is something we can use ongoing to track performance. Is that kind of how it's being introduced to clients in the sales process? Yeah, I think there's still some old school trust process like, oh, you're just going to give me this for free. You're going to email bomb me to death from here. I was like, there's no 
further communication from us if you don't want there to be. This is simply allowing you to have access to everyone else that's joined. And mind you, there's some criteria for you to be, for your data to sync. For growth, you have to be over 10 million a year. You have to be a B2B company. You have to be in certain types of B2B businesses, finance, uh, industrial manufacturing, aerospace. If you're not, a message will simply say, you can see everybody else's average, but your information doesn't match the criteria to join. So it also allows us, I mean, we do our research before we meet with you, but it also is like a secondary uh, out. Yeah. Qualify in, qualify out of your pipeline. Right, right, right. I don't think we've had it in sort of that's happening, but it is a nice like protection. Like for us, we don't really deal with startups or SaaS as a rule. So if someone was to try to join our benchmark group, I mean, it's a public URL and our think our name of our benchmark group is like growth high achievers. We're looking for companies that are already or want to have 15% year over year growth in these certain sections. If they try to join and they don't match the criteria, they simply just don't. You can see the information, but you're not sharing your information. So it doesn't skew the data either. Okay. So you're introducing it as a value add. You're maybe addressing some of the reasons why they might not want to join because they hear free and they're like, ah, that not as much of a selling point as it used to be, right? Sure. And then what does it look like from there in your sales process? You're introducing it right on your discovery or connect call. How are you then leveraging the the data that you're able to get when a new prospect has gone beyond that and actually joined your benchmark group and turned it into a consultation that's woven into your sales process? It's helped customers re-sign larger contracts. And it's also helped um, because the end of year, beginning of year. And for new companies, for one of our core services that we attach this benchmark group to achieve high growth is account-based marketing as a service. So we offer like a white glove solution for that. Not cheap. That's not for everybody. But and there's some clear KPIs that are associated with the program that's going well or not. The amount of outbound emails, the duration of time on phone calls, all these contributing factors that make up whether or not you're doing it. So right there, we can start to see some just like a doctor knowing what signs to see to then know what's making you sick. Sometimes you need to go deeper and deeper and deeper to figure it out. But for the most part, most doctors can say, okay, we can see bumps on your skin and you're coughing. And that means this, I'm not a doctor, but you get what I'm saying. You're able to prescribe a solution to a problem live or at least invalidate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a really great analogy. We could actually double down on that a little bit, Chris. Like if you look at your agency sales process, it's very consultative. It's very question-based. Like a doctor would say, okay, what symptoms are you having? When did they start? Those sorts of things. And we've all been sitting there at the doctor's office like, crap, when did that start? Has it been two days? Has it been three days? I have, you know, COVID brain right now, so I'm not even sure. And, you know, our, our prospects are the same way of like, oh, I'm not quite sure what that, you know, KPI is today, those sorts of things. And implementing a benchmark consultation allows you to actually take vitals, right? You can put the uh, blood pressure cuff on them. You can take the stethoscope up and, and listen and actually get some quantifiable data rather than just the anecdotal feedback of this new patient that's in front of you. So I think that that analogy actually plays out really well here. Very well said to you, like we're in with it. I love it. Yeah, I feel very Dr. Dre with that moment. <laughs> I could run with an analogy. I've been told I mix metaphors a lot. Awesome. So you guys are leveraging it not only in new business sales process, but in 
account reviews and renewal conversations. What have been some of the impacts, Chris, on new business lead generation, your close rates, your sales velocity? We alluded to some of those things earlier. And again, it's early in your experimentation, but what have been some of the results you guys have seen by working in a benchmark consultation into your client conversations? Well, a lot of the conversation around account-based marketing or any marketing or sales strategy, there's so much information on the internet, right? And it works, it doesn't work. So as long as we have these qualifiers, like I made a post on LinkedIn today, like ABM works 100% of the time. Can't say that. I can, as long as these things apply. When we're dealing with renewals, some of the customers have taken our prescription and then some have not. So for those that have not, we can see the signs. And if we're trying to lose weight, and they weren't consistent, or maybe they just didn't step up enough, we're now able to add a new layer beyond what they were seeing in their hub and then believing what we said about everybody else's performance and they can see it in real time. It's really important for us to be having these conversations with the right people too. If you're, again, company size, if you're dealing with a junior marketer as your point of contact and you're dealing with smaller orgs, this sort of process may not make sense. You know, they may want the sizzle And if you're doing traditional marketing services with small businesses, there's a lot of lift here that may not be helpful. But if you are dealing with mid-market, if you've gone up market, and so you're dealing with vision, execution, strategy conversations, data is the the components that should make up the directions that you're, you know, supplying your prescriptions. So it's really, really invaluable and free. Keep saying that. (laughs) And free. We keep coming back to that. I still cannot believe. Again, nine months to get me to where I was like, all right, we're going to get a benchmark group going. Mm -hmm. Following what Peter was saying, seeing the results. I mean, I'm adopting so much of my LinkedIn presence and communication off of what I've seen him do. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Done a great job. What was the hesitation for you? Was it just time or were there things that you weren't sold on of, oh, this is going to add another layer to our sales process. It's going to slow things down. People are going to question it. People aren't going to want to sign up. What was it for you that had you dragging your feet for nine months? So adoption is a thing. Also right time. We are going through some transitions in the company and, you know, adopting it something else new that what it just wasn't the right time. Another thing was um, in order for a benchmark group to be valuable, it needs to kind of hit a critical mass where there's enough people participating. So uh, scientific fact, you need force to move an object that's at rest, right? Do we have the energy available to apply the force? We didn't at the time. So I would listen and learn and take notes and join his Friday weekly meeting. I met you in one of those Fridays where you did kind of a, a speak and learn and just absorbing information. The last thing I want to do is pivot with my team and have them running up a mountain the wrong way without the right supplies. So yeah, it just took me enough time to not only like believe in it, I was sold pretty quickly, but having the, you know, we talked about the four P's pre-show, being able to have the vision and the planning and then make sure everybody knows their role. I think that's very important if you want to be successful if you're implementing a new strategy. 
Hey there, it's Logan with Teamwork.com. I wanted to take a quick time out from this conversation to ask you just a few questions. Are you an agency leader looking at the year ahead with concerns about AI, inflation, employee turnover, and client retention all at the same time? Are you curious how your peers are managing similar concerns and thinking about the path forward? If so, I've got some good news for you. Teamwork.com recently partnered with Audience Audit to gather responses from over 500 agencies around the globe into a comprehensive research report, the State of Agency Operations 2023 edition. And to make it easy for you as a regular listener of Agency Life, we've linked to it right in the description of this episode. So if you want insights from fellow agency leaders about how they're managing profitability, employee utilization rates, the use of new AI tools, and over-servicing clients, check that link in the description of this episode and access the 2023 State of Agency Operations Report today. All right, let's get back to the rest of the conversation with today's guest. We talked about the four Ps pre-show, being able to have the vision and the planning and then make sure everybody knows their role. I think that's very important if you want to be successful if you're implementing a new strategy. Yeah. What are some of the things that you've trained your team on on how to leverage this data or maybe some of the pitfalls that could come with, you know, sharing this data and not with the right context or with the wrong person in the organization. So you've got, you know, you spoke to your guy running sales for the agency, how he's using it. What are some of the do's and don'ts that have come out of the training of your team on how to use this benchmark data effectively with clients? I think the biggest do is it's okay to go to your like most trusted client and say, this is new. Can we just do this together and see what it feels like from your side of things? I think our culture and just the way that we work with our customers and that's a natural thing. So our customers weren't like, oh, weird. You're so always so polished and corporate. I can't believe that you're asking me to, to do an experiment. So thankful for that. For Will, changing habits is difficult. And when you're a sales director leading sales conversations, you, there's an inclination to don't fix it if it ain't broke. And not like we were broken. We just want to make it better. So, hey, how'd that, uh, you know, do you get them to join the benchmark group? Oh, no, I forgot. Okay, well, let's find a way to tie that into an email. We've tried some things like using our sales sequence tool and HubSpot to send one-on-one emails before we had like a blog post about it so that when we've sent our first like outreach out, you could tell we didn't do our homework. And so the results were bad. But now we feel like, okay, let's, instead of saying, hey, click this link and do this thing, let's just let them know we're doing something new and the value that it adds. And rather than, Hey, you have the option to click here and do it yourself. But if you want to just hang out with Chris or Rick or Will and do it together, we're happy to do that. The benchmarking groups tie into the whole conversation around community. And having that sort of give before they get mentality is not for everybody. It should be, but it's just not. And so this is a very laborious process to get that critical mass. I mean, we've been very fortunate. We have over 200 companies that have joined in a very short period of time, but you know, we cast a wide, that's a wide net. So, yeah. And you guys experimented with different ways of getting people into that group, right? Uh, bringing it up on calls, emailing with just an invite, emailing with some education, with just kind of a soft CTA, but then following that up when you're live with the client. I think there's some good learnings there. I'm glad that you brought up the point about community because this post from uh, Pete that went live yesterday, again, we'll link to it in the episode description 
Tony Dowling, shout out to Tony at teamwork.com agency, a good friend and know Tony well. He brought up, he's like, hey, Pete, you're missing another benefit here. It's not just sales. It's not just renewals. It's not just retention. There's a community building aspect to this that if you work your benchmark consultation into your agency's sales process, but then you keep your clients in that benchmark group and you're reviewing that data with them, there's an opportunity for community. And I heard you say that. So maybe expand on that a little bit. What's the opportunity there? or What have you guys seen early or what are you guys looking to see from a community standpoint with your clients and the opportunities with benchmark groups, Chris? Great question. And I'm doing a weekly LinkedIn post to follow our live journey on doing ABM. But then on Tuesdays, I just started this week, basically like community building 101, leveraging a benchmark group. When you have people that have similar problems in companies, we're finding that they like to work together and, and different than like, hey, I'm having a webinar, attend here. There's a phase and maybe you do a Q&A. This requires some curation and resources, but getting a a group together so they can learn together is seeming to be a really powerful tool for us. Like our strategy for full transparency is market this group to, I mean, our benchmark group still covers 20% of the U.S. economy. So it's still like not a specific niche thing. It's just not our style. Yeah. It's niche enough. So we we have a really clear way to do outbound emails and phone calls and LinkedIn prospecting, all classic ABM tactics. And for us, instead of saying, we know your problems, we can solve them. We just say, oh, hey, you can join this benchmark group. And part of the sequencing is once you do, you get free access to boot camps, a Slack community of other VPs and C-suites. It's not interns and junior marketers and BDRs. These are all reputable people. And we have a few logos on our roster that are big enough for people who are like, oh, wow, Julie from Mechanics is here. She's a heavyweight. So if she's there, obviously there's value there. I come from a background of big brand B2C marketing. I've been bringing that up a lot lately because I think I didn't realize it in the beginning, but how powerful that knowledge of getting brand in hand and going after the individuals authentically, like that's how we built those companies up 10 years ago. And the, those playbooks are just be, like shaking off dust from 2010. Yes, yes. And it's working really well. So for us, we would love to have a thousand companies join the benchmark group. We would love to have 200 people from those companies join a six-week boot camp where they learn how to improve or implement ABM at their company. We would love for 10 of those companies to be like, wow, this is a lot of work. We'd rather just hire growth to do it. When you join our benchmark group and our community, one of our rules of engagement is we will not prospect you. You can call us anytime, but we're never going to say, hey, I can tell you need us. We're going to be there. We'll have like a sign, cheer you on your marathon. You know, <laughs> if you don't want the water at the water booth, don't drink it. But if you do, hey, we'll, we're here for it. Yeah. We're not going to throw it at you, but we're going to hold it up. And, you know, you can exactly. see that it looks good right now because we see that you're limping, you know, going back to the doctor analogy. So, Chris, did you guys have that Slack community? Did you guys already have a community effort before implementing the benchmark groups for your client or did the two come hand in hand? So right now it was benchmark group first. Today, we've decided internally, we did hire, kind of promote a sales intern who's been a mentee of mine for a few years into being our head of community. Rick Barcelos is great. Uh, Richard on uh, LinkedIn, might have to have him change that, but he's awesome, like full of energy. Mm-hmm. So today we decided, let's do something a little different, classic. We're going to have an open house end of January, early February. We're basically people that have joined 
are going to have to fill out a form to make sure that they fit this community profile. And then we're going to have an open webinar where they can meet me, they can meet some of our clients that have joined the community just to validate the room that they're in. And then we're going to kick off like the free series of boot camps and you know, try to get a layer above, hey, here's an ebook, but rather like here's some really weekly 20 minute sessions so you can implement ABM at your 200 person or your 20 person sales team. Mm-hmm. And of course, if there's smaller orgs that join, there should be a lot to learn. And maybe our services aren't for you, but that's okay. If we can help, thanks to technology, help a thousand people grow, let's do that. Some all need to pay us for that. We learned through a lot of the HubSpot mentality yeah. of how giving before they get and Dan Tyre and, and all those people that have just really had such a positive impact on what I would describe as the right way to do things. It's so nice to see some of their playbooks becoming more publicly used. So very thankful we had good training. Yes, absolutely. Giving credit where credit is due. And we're going to hit you with that question on our Fast Five uh, to see who you want to give a shout out to as we round out the conversation here in a bit, Chris. But I just want to drill into this community aspect a little bit more. Something that we heard from Joe Sullivan at Gorilla76 previously here on the show that their investment in adding value more upfront that wasn't just about content. It was about access and community. You know, so much content is so easy to generate, especially with generative AI these days, those sorts of things. You know, the value of just content for content's sake is starting to diminish. And what people want is the more specifics. Show me the receipts. Show me what to do next. And you can offer that from yourself as as the company and there's value there. But if you're bringing in your community members to learn from others, One, you don't have to generate all of those insights. And two, you still get the value because you're the connector. They still connect it back to Chris and growth because they introduced me to Cindy over here or to John over there. So any other practical things that you would offer there for someone listening to this, Chris, in thinking about implementing benchmark groups into their sales process and possibly tying that into these sort of community group efforts with their clients? Where would you suggest that they get started if they're kind of amped up like you are and maybe they want to get started in less than nine months? Not to, you know, poke you on that one, but just bringing it back around. (laughs) Harass Peter on LinkedIn. Instead of countless messages, do not do that. So the first thing I would do is sign up for a benchmark group. See what the options are. Select a few that make sense. Talk to five of your core customers. See if they see the value on it. If they do, you now have a starting place for talking points. Hit customers, potential customers, people you see on LinkedIn, be authentic and go from one to one basis. I mean, I'm even reaching out to, I mean, I have thousands of LinkedIn contacts and I'm going back in using LinkedIn Navigator, seeing who's in manufacturing over 10 million. Like, oh man, I haven't talked to that guy in five years. Send him a message like, hey, I know it's been a while. Those tactics, those individual outreaches are really, really effective. Yeah, it's really nice. Once you have some of that critical mass, the community investment is just a whole different thought. So we're going to start slow, like crawl, walk, run. We'll start a Slack channel. Rick will spend time there. I'll spend time there. And it's going to be about answering questions from managing leadership, having a growth mindset, of course, like tactical, like, ABM deployment, what software to use, how to set it up. Hey, we're using Apollo, but it's not working, whatever. Um, and then the idea being, 
with any sort of validation, we can continue to up our investment. And we're very fortunate. The value of our customers are very high. So the amount of deals we would need to close for our CFO to be thrilled is low. Yeah, I love that. So some really good steps there. So sign up for a benchmark group. Talk to five of your top customers about the value and get them to join. Because you before you want to start talking to prospective clients, you want to at least have a little bit of critical mass, you know, four or five existing clients in there so you can pitch the the value to them. Then start uh, introducing those to prospects one-to-one basis. I love the LinkedIn sales navigator piece because the whole idea with a benchmark group is giving clients and prospective clients access to anonymized aggregate data of people who look like them, right? And oftentimes those who looks like me, you can use LinkedIn sales nav to find those same folks over certain headcount, in certain industry, over certain revenue size, in certain positions, those sorts of things. And I like where you rounded it out there. I know most folks, you know, it might take them a while just to implement the benchmark consultation, let alone community. But just to call out there, if you are to head down this path, then it allows you, I hear you saying these boot camps and these guides and these sorts of things. This is probably content you're creating already to, to market your agency. But now you have a place to distribute it where you already have hand raisers as opposed to putting it out there on LinkedIn and just hoping that it gets to the right people or having to invest in ads to make sure that it's targeted at the right people. If you've already got them in the spot, now you can, you know, hold up that billboard and give them, you know, hold up that cup of water. Again, there I go mixing (laughs) metaphors again. But you know that you have that that audience in front of you, right? I think that's exactly it. It's a a paradigm shift from... You know, when I say traditional, I guess like digital marketing isn't considered traditional marketing, depending on if you're talking to a billboard salesman or not. But your traditional digital marketing required you to place a message in front of a massive volume of people, all Google users, and then you could trim it down a little bit. This changes it. So if you go from an individual messaging approach, just like with APM, makes more sense. You cut the bat, you talk to the right people at the right time. It's really a powerful tool. If anyone's considering it, like I really am happy to, you know, show my receipts and show what works and doesn't. I've got no pride in the game. I'm really hoping that we can help some companies and get a couple clients out of it too. I love it, man. Well, with that, we're going to round out the episode just like we do on every episode here of Agency Life. We're going to hit you with our fast five rapid fire questions, Chris, and then give you an opportunity for that shout out that I mentioned earlier. Since you and I just scheduled this yesterday and we're recording today. You actually haven't seen these. So we're just going to go off the cuff as long as that's cool with you. You're not opposed to it? Bring it. All right. (laughs) Let's go. All right, Chris, if someone gave you $10,000 a month, so you had an extra 120K in the budget for growth for 2024, how do you think you would invest that today to better run your agency? Um, I would probably invest in service and our community. So more resources, bringing in more powerful names into uh, the resources that we're offering. Yeah, it's the answer is meta. It is what we're talking about here and going right into the community efforts. So I love that you just say that off the cuff. I think it kind of proves that what you're saying here today is something that you're actually believing in and looking for results for your agency in 2024. All right, Chris, what are your all-time favorite business books that you end up recommending, especially to your peers, other agency founders and other leaders in the space? I've been on a real John C. Maxwell kick lately. Like, so the laws of growth, I mean, communication has been an area I've invested a lot of like personal growth time into. The business of expertise was actually recommended to me by Peter Caputa. And there's a lot of really powerful things for founders 
John C. Maxwell will keep you busy. Right. <laughs> Just there, you can have a book list that will go for days, weeks, months. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, Chris, this is one of my favorite ones right here in the middle of the Fast Five. What's one mistake you've made in running your agency that you're never going to forget? Trusting the wrong people. All right. We'll have to dig into that into a, a future <laughs> episode just with the, the silence that lingered there for a second, huh? Yeah. I was honest, though. Yeah. I love it. All right. Number four and five are two sides to the same coin, Chris. Number four, what's the hardest part about agency life, in your opinion? I think authenticity. There's a lot of, I mean, for anybody, right? Like faking it till you're making it. But like, I've never felt the need to do that. Again, 16 years of it, be owning an agency before I jumped, joined the HubSpot world. So I had tenure. But I think for me, it's not energy. It's not excitement. I love this stuff. I wake up every day at five, hit the gym and I'm ready to go. There's no problem. Um, but being authentic and like allowing myself to make mistakes and not beat myself up, it's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. I could hear it even as, you know, we prep for this of, hey, I want to share the the journey here, but I don't want to come across like we have all the answers. And I think you nailed that today. So just want to encourage you. I appreciate the candor you are willing to speak with on where you guys are at in this process, where you believe others can benefit and in, in sharing that for the good of the community. So I appreciate that. Thank you. In today's conversation, man. All right. Number five, we always end on a high note. What's the best part about agency life in your opinion, Chris? I love my team and I love our customers. I am so energized every day. Even when we face a challenge, even when something doesn't go right, we've just created this core group of team members that are ride or die. They are great. So I'd vouch for any of them. Very thankful. I mean, just our, the relationships we've built with our customers is so fun. <laughs> like we, it's an expensive game of being a consultant and uh, there's a lot of riding on it. But when you approach a conversation, not pretending you have all the answers all the time, but you approach things with a growth mindset and a positive attitude, it's amazing the things that you can accomplish together. I love that. The number of times that the answer to that question, 30 plus episodes into the show has basically been the people, I think would far outnumber any other answer and yours falls into that same bucket. And on that note, Chris, we want to conclude with giving you the opportunity to give someone a shout out who has impacted your journey in agency life in a positive way that you want to give a shout out to as we round things out today, man. I have to give it to Nick Cole, who's our original cam with HubSpot. I don't say his name on podcast often. He's not a big interneter. He's very hip on Instagram, but without him, we wouldn't be here. Thank you. I did trust you and I'm thankful. I love it, man. All right. Well, Chris, if anybody wants to follow along with you and where you guys are experimenting, not only with uh, ABM and marketing tactics that you're executing for your clients, but uh, as it relates to today's conversation, how you guys are leveraging benchmark data in your sales, your account review, your community building efforts as an agency, what's the best way for them to follow along and stay connected with you? Great question. Find me on LinkedIn. I answer questions and I'm very transparent. Yeah, find me on LinkedIn. Chris Agrowth. And very responsive. I literally asked you to come on the show yesterday in the comments section of a post that we were both commenting on. And here we are recording it and sharing it with the community. So I can vouch for Chris on that front. Give him <laughs> a follow. Christopher Nault, N-A-U-L-T. We'll link to his LinkedIn profile in the episode description, as well as that post from Pete Caputa that kicked off this conversation and the link to Databox's free benchmark groups. If you are looking for a way to shrink your time to close here in 2024, trying to retain more clients 
and build a community that's going to pay some dividends as you look at uh, your goals towards the end of this year. I think Chris has shared some things that can help you in all of those ways. So thank you for joining us today. And Chris, thank you for being our guest on Agency Life, my friend. This was great. Keep helping people. It's going to work out. You've been listening to Agency Life, and we hope you've been enjoying each and every episode. If so, you've probably got a friend who'd find the show valuable as well. Sharing a podcast with someone in your network is an easy way to add value and show someone that you're thinking about them. Somebody probably came to mind for you just now. Go ahead, shoot them a text with something like, hey, I've been listening to Agency Life, and I think you'd like this episode I was just listening to. They'll probably really appreciate it, and hey, we will too. And if you're looking for even more content to support your agency life journey, check out teamwork.com slash agency life. There you can search through past episodes, get access to the agency life newsletter and find additional video content to support and inspire you as you continue on this crazy roller coaster ride that is agency life. <laughs>